0: Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. Have you guys ever used that phrase, do as I say, not as I do. Now, now, we really don't say that, but really, sometimes as parents, we, um, we use this. We use the phrase. Now, we don't come and say it, but we use the phrase to get our, get our kids to do something uh, we want them to do. Hey, I want you to do this even though we are doing the opposite. And, and again, think about this. Think about this. It's, it's the do as I say. This is what I'm saying but you're actually doing the opposite of what you're saying. Now, again, here's the problem. The problem is is that there's a word uh, associated with that. It's called hypocrisy. Hypocrisy. Do as I say, not as I do. Do you realize that kids, teenagers, can spot a hypocrite a mile away? They can. Wait a minute. You're saying one thing, but... Now, again, think about it. Think about it. We've used that phrase. Well, you go. Well, what does it mean exactly? Like, like, let's dig in. Well, it's a it's an idiomatic phrase, and it means do what I say and pay no attention to my actions. You understand that? The the illustration that comes to mind is you remember the Wizard of Oz, right? When he was behind the curtain, and and Toto comes and he takes the curtain, and and he's like, pay attention, don't pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. You know, and 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 it, it, he was a. Well, do as I say, but pay attention to my actions. And, and I was thinking about this, guys, and it led me to a story. Listen to this story. I found it interesting because it has to do with African elephants. And you go, what it is? Listen. It says, in an attempt to thin out this herd, the authorities killed off a number of the older males and moved a group of the females and young bulls to another area. It was not too long after the move that white rhinos in that area were being killed, not by poachers, but by young bulls that were trying to prove their elephanthood. One elephant even organized a gang that began attacking tourist buses. Well, to solve the problem, the authorities shot some of the troublemakers, but then came up with a better solution. What'd they do? They released a few of the old males from another area into the troubled neighborhood the older elephant males immediately began to bring young bulls into line. It would appear that the young elephants did not know how to act in their day-to-day living without an example of an older elephant to teach them. Learning by example is not restricted to the animal kingdom. Just as the elephants needed an example, an older example to follow so that they knew how to behave in their day-to-day living, so we also need an example to follow in our day-to-day Christian living. In the word of God this morning, church, listen, Jesus encourages us not to be hypocrites but to live and follow his example you've often heard it before well I don't want to go to church because there's a bunch of hypocrites and we say well yes there's always room for one more (laughs) but honestly we need to look at what's going on here and then we need to search our own hearts And because we're a Bible-teaching church, before we move on, I need to give you the definition of hypocrite. Hypocrite. It's one who puts on a mask. One who puts on a mask. It's an actor. You see, instead of coming out and playing happy, what they would do is they would just put on a happy mask. It didn't matter what your face looked like on the inside. The outside mask was happy. If you were to play sad, you would put on the mask that was sad. That is called the hypocritos, a actor, one who puts on a mask. But if you dig a little bit deeper and you start looking at in the biblical, here's what it, here's what it means in the Hebrew. It's rendered hypocrite and rather means godless or profane godless or profane the new testament times it was more negative now listen it was suggested someone who was untrustworthy untrustworthy you go what do they mean well they pretend to be one thing while underneath being something else they presented a good front to their mask their reality that's what a hypocrite is now I shared this with you this morning because I believe it illustrates what Jesus is trying to teach his disciples. You and I, in the series called Follow Me, have moved from just being attenders to being disciples. Okay, Lord, teach us. We want to follow you. And what he does is Jesus calls the disciples, he calls the multitude, and he warns them about hypocrisy, hypocrisy. Now, think about it like this. Think about it like this. A police officer pulled a driver aside and asked for his license and registration. What's wrong, officer? The driver asked. I didn't go through any red lights, and I certainly wasn't speeding. He said, no, no, you weren't, said the officer. But I saw you waving your fist, and you swerved around the lady driving in the left lane and I further observed you were your flushed and angry face as you shouted at the driver, of the hummer who cut you off, and how you pounded your steering wheel, when traffic came to a stop near a bridge, is that a crime officer? No, but when I saw that Jesus loves you, and so do I bumper sticker on the car, I figured the car had to be stolen. That's a hypocrite. That's a hypocrite. Now, before we jump into the text, let me remind you what we talked about last week. Okay? If you recall, Jesus had four groups come to him and try to trap him. They tried to embarrass him. They tried to cause division among the people on the Temple Mount during the Passover. Okay, you you remember who those four groups were, you had the Pharisees, the Pharisees were there, and and, uh, here's what I want you to see, at this time the Pharisees were different, because it was good to be a Pharisee early on, but at this time they got what? Well, they were actually unsaved, fleshly, political, religious group. That's what they were, and they were, actually, they were pretty rich. They made a good living. That's were one of the groups. The other group, guys, were the Herodians. Do you remember the Herodians? This was a group of political Jews who actually stood with Rome. And they were a party of peace at any price. So they were like, can't we just all get along? Can't we just be, uh, can't, come on, no, it doesn't matter if you're, come, and, and this was the Herodians. Then you had the Sadducees, right? The Sadducees. And they were they were the unsaved religious liberal hypocrites. They didn't believe in the resurrection. They didn't believe in heaven and hell. Angel or demons and none, none of that stuff. These were the Sadducees, and then the last group we talked about were the scribes. These men were the highly honored profession. They were professional students and defender of the law. What better group to try to trap Jesus than the scribes? What better? I know. Call the lawyer. We'll get him. That's what their attitude. But do you remember what we learned? Do you remember what the, we learned? Jesus actually mic-dropped on them. He actually silenced his enemies, okay? And you go, well, what did we learn? Well, remember what we learned. One of the groups came to him, and they were flattering Jesus. Do you remember that? And we learned, and we took home, don't use flattery to get what you want. Offer sincere compliments. As believers, God is calling us to encourage each other. Let me ask you this. Who have you encouraged this week? Who have we encouraged? See, God's calling us to lift each other up, to pray for each other, but also to share a kind word. In our society, it's hard to share a kind word because everybody thinks you have an angle. Everybody thinks you're, well, what do you want? Why are you telling me that? Or why are you being so nice to me? What do you want? But God's called us as believers to encourage. And if we're sensitive to his Holy Spirit, maybe this week you send out a text to a brother and say, hey, I'm just thinking about you. Hope you're doing, hope you're doing well just an encouraging word letting somebody know they encouraged you this week oh it's so good to see you in church on Sunday you encouraged me so much and you go what did I do the way you were just worshipping it just inspired me and we encourage people that way don't use flattery to get what we want we will have what we have because God gives it to us We don't have to manipulate, we don't have to bring flattery, right? If God be for us, who can be against us? That's what we learned. We also learned, and we talked about the Herodians, they were trying to divide people. Do you guys remember that? We learned from the beginning of time, the enemy has tried to divide God's people. And it's the same thing today. Okay, The enemy is trying to divide us. You need to understand that. Every week something happens in our world and what's he, what the enemy will come and he'll divide the Christians. Because he knows united we stand, divided we fall. And so he does that. So what should we do, Pastor? Stick to the word of God. As a matter of fact, Proverbs 16 and 28 says, A perverse person stirs up conflict, and gossip separates close friends. How about that? I don't want to be a perverse person. I don't want to stir up conflict, nor do I want gossip. I don't want to be part of gossip. That's big in the Christian realm. That's big in the Christian realm. Gossip. Well, let me tell you, did you hear Did you hear about that? And you go, Pastor, I don't gossip. Well, sometimes we do it like this. Well, will you pray with me for so-and-so? Because there, and then we gossip. Under the guise of prayer, you go, well, what should we do about gossip? Listen to me right now. You ask yourself these two questions. When it comes to gossip, am I part of the problem? Am I part of the solution? If you're not part of the problem, then leave it alone. If you're not part of the solution, leave it alone. Don't spread it. We learned that. We learned that. We are to love and encourage, not gossip about each other. These Herodians purposely cause division. They purposely incite discord. They provoke hatred and malice and rebelling against God's design for the church. For the church. Now we come to our text for today. So, what is Jesus? Jesus is still talking. He's he's still talking to the crowd, but you know that the scribes and the Pharisees are still there. You understand that, right? You go, yes. And that's where we come to our text. He's still talking about that. That's where we're going to pick it up in verse one of chapter twenty-three. It says, "Then Jesus spoke to the multitudes and his disciples." Okay, remember. We're in the last week of Jesus's life, okay? Do you remember the Passover? They would bring their Passover lambs in order to sacrifice, and for four, five days, they would examine the lamb. They would make sure there was no spot or blemish before it was actually okay to offer it. Do you remember? Part of the corruption is that people would come and they'd go, oh, no, 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 this lamb isn't good. It has a blemish. It has a scratch. It has this. But, right? If you'll buy ours over here, these are priestly. These are already, you can just buy this, and it only cost you nineteen ninety-five. But wait, there's more. And that's what they would do, and that's why Jesus was so upset, because they were taking the house, the house of God, and they were making it a den of thieves. Was there a blemish? There might have been, but probably not. These people took seriously the Passover lamb. And you go, Ben, why are you telling this? Because they're examining Jesus right now. They're trying to question. They're trying to find fault in him. They're trying to see if there's any sin. He is the ultimate Passover lamb. And if we'll wrap our mind around that, we go, yes, it's amazing. So there's Jesus and there's the multitude. And he's speaking to them. What's his rap? Here's what he says, verse 2. He's saying, the scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. Therefore, whatever they tell you to observe, that observe and do. But do not do according to their works, for they say and do not do. You're away, what, 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 what? Here's what Jesus does. He begins teaching and exposing their hypocrisy. The teachers of the religious law and the Pharisees are the official interpretation of the law of Moses. So it says, whatever they tell you to do, do that. But don't follow their example. Why? Because they don't practice what they teach, they don't practice. These guys, now listen, here's where it hits home. These guys are telling people how to live. But they didn't live what they taught. Do you remember what Jesus taught us way back in chapter 16? Do you remember? This is so amazing. He taught us in chapter 16, verse 12, it says, Then they understood that they did not tell him to beware of the leaven of bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Guys, listen, listen up. Here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, look, you see these guys? You see these guys? The guys that everybody's looking up to? He says, What they say is correct, but how they live is wrong. They're they're hypocrites. They're they're hypocrites. They're hypocrites. What happens in your heart as as Jesus is exposing the hypocrisy of the pharisees and the sadducees what happens in our heart well i've told you a hundred times behind this pulpit it's good to read the bible but it's better with the bible reads you Amen. and when the bible reads you then i have to ask myself lord where where am i being a hypocrite am i living what i'm teaching am i living what i'm teaching You see, these guys, they act like teachers of the law, yet Jesus said to them, don't, 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 don't. Do as they say, not as they do. So, before we move and see what Jesus means, let's grab some truth for us. How so? Number one, as believers, can we do this? We must never live a double life. You go, what do you mean? In other words, saying one thing, but living a whole different way. Come on, somebody. Come on, someone. I, I mean, I had to go through this first. We we cannot live a double life. Christians are very good, not y'all, but just let me paint with the big bar brush, But but Christians are really good at saying, Oh hallelujah, praise the Lord! But sometimes they live like there is no God, and it and it stumbles us. Wait, wait, wait! I thought you were you said you were. I, I'm, I'm I'm confused. Oh no no no! I'm under grace, bro. Come on, let's go. We're gonna we're gonna go, and we're gonna and 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 then they paint this stuff, and you're like, well wait a minute, wait a minute. Be careful, church, when these people, just think about this. The truth is when when we come to church and we're super nice and happy engaging everyone, but when we get home, we're a complete grump and cynical towards others. Be careful. That's not what God has called us to do as, 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 as his kids. Can you imagine? Hi, how are you? God bless you. Oh, good to see you. Oh, how wonderful it is to be in the house of the Lord. And then you go home and you're like, did you see her shoes? She probably got them at the five and die. And I can't believe it. And then we start. And then you cross your arm and goes, I don't even like that church anyway. And then come next Sunday, hi, how are you? Good. Hey, it's, that's what he's saying. And what Jesus is telling us is don't be like the Pharisees. Don't be like the Pharisees. You go, well, what's the goal? Our goal, seriously, guys, is to imitate Christ. That should be our goal. That should be our goal. To do what? To live godly both here and at home. To live godly. We need to imitate Christ. What is Christ? Christ is compassionate, Christ is loving, Christ is forgiving. Christ is merciful. Christ understands human behavior. Christ understands when his disciples fumbled and messed up and tripped up and fell, and he lifted them up. Christ knew that. And that some of us in, in Christianity, we're, we're constantly crossing our hands and judging other folks for the very same things that we used to do. I'm preaching to myself, You understand that, but I want you to listen because it's the same thing. We've got to be careful. What would the world look like if we said, no, 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 I'm going to imitate Christ. I'm going to be that. I'm going to be that here. I'm going to be that at home. I'm going to be that at my work. I'm going to do my very best to honor God in everything I do. It's not about being perfect. It's not about like, ooh, look at you. But it's going, Lord, help me to honor you. Guide me. And when the enemy comes in and says, hey, bro, you want to go hit a few back this evening after? No, that's not me. Oh, what are you, some goody two-shoes? Nah, man, but I I just love Jesus, and um, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. I can't tell you how many people I've heard witness about Jesus being drunk. You know what I'm talking about? They'll go, they're Christians, they'll get sidetracked, they'll be at the bar, and there they are. Let me tell you about the Bible. And I mean, they're good. They're just drunk. What does that tell people? They're like, really? Really? You are a hypocrite. Hypocrite. See, God, listen to me, you've got to grasp this. God is not asking any of us to be perfect. Because no one is. That should be a good amen. amen. But he's simply, here's what he's saying, simply live what you believe. If you believe this is the inerrant word of God, all of this, then live like it. Live like it. What does this mean? It means that um, people make mistakes. It, it, it means that people make bad choices sometimes. But we can forgive and we can love and we can because that's what God does for me. That's what God does for me. I want to live what I believe. I don't want to live two different ways. I understand you go home sometimes and you're you're in a bad mood. I understand why I don't like that. But what happens when it's constant in your life? And you're a real downer, man. You're a real downer. You're real (sighs) like... Now, the reason God calls the Pharisees is basically this. I want you to note with me. There are several things they do. In other words, they're saying... Do as I say, not as I do. They're, they're, the word here is taskmasters. Ma- task and if you're taking no, jot this down. They had a false concept of ministry. They had a false concept of ministry. Okay? Listen to the way Warren Wearsry put it, because sometimes this guy puts it better than I could, and it says this, quote, To them, ministry meant handing down laws to the people and adding to their burdens. In other words, the Pharisees were harder on others than they were on themselves. Jesus came to lighten men's burdens. But legalistic religion always seeks to make burdens heavier. Jesus never asks us to do anything that he has not done first. The Pharisee commanded, but they did not participate. They were, check this out, hypocritical religious dictators, not spiritual leaders. Now, I know what you're saying. Well, that's it, Pastor. That gives me an out (laughs) because I'm not a leader. I'm just, no, 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 no. You're a Christian. And here's the thing. As a Christian, we don't want to be hypocritical religious dictators. We want to be spiritual leaders. That's what we want to be. Well, what would they do? What would they do? Well, notice verse 4. It says, For they bind heavy burdens, hard to bear. They lay them on men's shoulders, and they themselves will not move them or move with one of their fingers. What's he saying? Well, this refers to the tradition of the elders, not the law itself. This contrasts the easy burdens of Jesus. Jesus' teachings are, are, are not easy, but obeying them leads to life, not bondage. So he's saying, listen, here's what they do. They put heavy burdens, hard to bear, hard to bear. Well, what else do they do? But all their works they do are to be seen by men. And they make their phylacteries broad, enlarge their borders and garments. Can you imagine? This is what they're wanting to do. This is exactly, this is the hypocritos, okay? Everything they do, they want people to see. Okay? They want people to see. So there they are. Hey! Hey, cleaning the church. Anybody here? Nobody here? Well, I'm not going to clean that. Oh, look at me. I'm praying for all of you. Come to me and 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 instead of ministering to people, we're going to go out to the to the market and we're going to try to just and and they want people to see them. Oh, did you see oh? Did you see Pastor Ben? He spent every day over at the at the market street and he's just praying for peace. Got a sign everything. I mean, what a great and spiritual phony. You go, well, maybe you're called to do that, but but we don't have to make a big production of it. Okay? Church, I think we should go out and we should pray for people at Market Street. Call, call the news and make sure we get all this publicity. And Let's just pray for people. Let's just pray for people. All their works, Jesus says, all their works they do to be seen by men. To be seen by men. They make their phylacteries. You go, Ben, what's a phylactery? I mean, I mean think about this. Um, this refers to a small box containing scripture. This is a phylactery. And what they would do is they would put it in between their eyes, okay? They would put a little box. If you go to Israel today, the phylacteries, guys, and um, and basically um, they would wrap a leather band around their wrist, and this is supposed to. What was happening, and you can see them today, they're little black boxes. If you look on there, they're right there. It wasn't, Jesus didn't mean... Put a box in the front of your head. He said, He said, but what was happening is they were, well, well, look at me, I'm a little bit more spiritual because I've got a little bit bigger box. I've got a little bit bigger box. I've got more. This is what he's saying. First, it was a small box that had Scripture passages on it, and they wore it on their foreheads around their arms. And the scribes and Pharisees apparently enlarged these boxes to make it more visible. Can you imagine if the box got there two minutes before you did? The religious phonies If you will, the hypocrites were thinking that just because they had a bigger box, that they were more spiritual. Come on, somebody. Let's be careful, church, that we don't fall in that trap. You go, what do you, Ben, 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 chill, bro. I don't have a box on my forehead. No, but you have a box that you live in. And sometimes we go, wow, you have a nice house. You must be. And that's not always the case, is it? You know who I love? I love the little old grandma whose ministry is to pray and pray and pray and pray. Not to be seen by men, but to pray. That's how most of us are saved. A little old grandma said, I can't do much, I but I can pray. And I'm gonna pray, and they pray and they pray. And their ministry is never seen, and they go on to be with the Lord. That was my that was Nathalie's grandma, that was Grandma Lena. She prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. She would sit she would sit by her front door and it would open it and it it opened now when she got this house and built this house it was probably there was probably no cars on the road you understand that but it ended up being a very fast two-lane highway and she would sit and she'd look out the door and she would pray for every car that passed by (laughs) can you imagine and she would just pray and she would pray and when she spent the night at her house, she'd wake up at four in the morning. This is the day. She's trying to be quiet, but she can't. This is the day. This. And we're like, it's not day yet. Grandma, go to bed. <laughs> Grandma would be up in the morning. She'd be praying. And nobody saw her ministry. God did. God did. And, and again, think about it, guys. Think about it. These men wanted to be seen as religious and pious, but the Lord looks at the heart. And we're called to be humble. These people were not concerned about God's approval. They used the religious to attract attention, not to glorify God. Not to glorify God. Look at verse 6. I didn't have it on so maybe he didn't put it up there. They love the best places at feasts, the best seats in the synagogues, greeting in the marketplace, and to be called by men Rabbi, Rabbi. Verse 6 and 7. They like to sit in front of everyone. They like to sit. Over in the synagogues, what it was is that when you walked in, the best places were kind of like behind the pulpit. This was where it was. And you would come in and there would be, can you imagine, can you imagine if we did this? And I know early on some churches used to do this. As a matter of fact, if you went to Costa Mesa in the early days, Pastor Chuck had a, had a that, this is where they get it. And so what, can you imagine? Okay, Soph, where are you? Soph, Soph like we're gonna put Soph right here and he's just gonna watch me preach. And we're gonna have all the, the leadership right here. And, and that's how they would do it. But again, it was the best seats in the house. And they're going, oh, no, 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 we have to walk in. And, and, and we'd walk in like this, and, and we're religious, and we're Pharisees, and we'd get the best seats in the house. And, and uh, you guys understand where he's, go- where, where he's going, right? And, and we'd love the greetings in the marketplace. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Oh, well, hello, Pastor Ben. Hi, how are you? Right? Can you imagine going to Walmart? Oh, my dear child, yes. In a big robe. That's what they liked. They liked. Can you imagine if one of the Pharisees was called Bill? And somebody just called him, hey Bill! Oh no, 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 no. You need to call me Rabbi. For I'm far more spiritual than you. But Bill, we played basketball together back in high school. (laughs) I don't think so. I am, I am a rabbi. And what do we do in our day? This is what makes me sad. Okay, God calls us to be pastors, and that's cool. That's shepherds. But you know what a pastor is? It's basically the chief servant. That's all a pastor is. But somewhere along the line, we decided to add more. Well, now I'm not a pastor. I'm a, I'm an, I'm an, I'm, well, I'm an apostle. I'm a bishop. I'm a this and this. And, and, and we want to put titles in front of our names. And that's not God, because then it brings attention to who? Us. And you know what a pastor should do? You know what a Christian should do? Everything that comes to you, you give to God. Praise God. Pastor Soph, I didn't know you could play that. Praise God. That's amazing. Anthony, that's... Praise God. Give it to God. Give it to God always because again you don't you, you we're not here to glorify ourselves we're not here to glorify ourselves think about it guys they like to sit in front so everyone could see them they this was great visibility and of course they loved the greetings rabbi rabbi but you know what it is jot this down if you're taking note it's spiritual pride It's spiritual pride. Now, now, think about this for just a moment. To be constantly called rabbi, rabbi meant they love to have their tickled ears. But since we're on the subject of spiritual pride, let's talk about it. Okay? Spiritual pride is what happens when we believe we've got God, the Bible, and the Christian life figured out. It makes us feel superior to others, and it often leads to criticism, defensiveness, and self-focus, spiritual pride. When the men get together on the third Saturday of every month, I love it when the young guys come. I love it when there's 15-year-olds and 14-year-olds, and I tell the men we can learn something from them. We can learn something from everyone. Now, I have been probably teaching the Bible for well over 25 years. 19, 18 and a half years, but before that, I've been teaching the Bible. And let me see, I've come to the conclusion, I can still learn a lot more. I can still learn a lot more see spiritual pride says no 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 I got God figured out I got all this Christian life figured out I'm superior I'm walking around let me tell you what spiritual pride looks like this past weekend we were talking when I was picking up Nathalie I was talking to my father-in-law and we were talking about the rapture and my father-in-law proceeded to quote uh, part of the scripture and And I had one or two choices. You see, I had just taught the scripture on what it meant. But I had one or two choices. I could lovingly go, no, no, here, well, it it could mean this, and don't forget this. And I could lovingly be humble, or I could have said, are you kidding me? I'm in the Bible 24-7. I could destroy you right now theologically. That's spiritual pride. So we have to learn to discern. No, no, no. He he wants to learn. We gotta teach him in a in a good and in, in honest way. In a good and honest way. Guys, think about this illustration when it comes to spiritual pride. Think about the woman caught in adultery. Think about it, okay? She was caught in adultery. They bring her to J G- the, the brown door pff, open while she comes. She's caught in adultery. She's probably there, embarrassed, probably with no clothes on, right in front of Jesus. Well, the law says we need to stone her. She was caught in the very act. Well, what your, what's your first question? Where's the guy? Because it's both of them. Okay, it's a setup. It's a setup. So the older guys pick up a rock, and Jesus says, Okay, hold on. Before you do anything, you who have no sin, you cast the first stone. That's spiritual pride. He didn't have spiritual pride. He just wrote in the sand. And then he looks up and he goes, woman, where are their accusers? And she goes, nowhere, Lord. He goes, neither do I condemn you. Go your way and sin no more. And that was beautiful. That's not spiritual pride. That's teaching her. You go, well, Ben, she probably still sinned. Well, the term sin no more was don't go sinning that same way. Don't go and commit adultery. Don't be involved in that part of your life. And so she says, okay. So the Lord tells us the same thing. Hey, neither do I condemn you. But don't go back to your old ways. You're a new creation. You got a new life in you. You got a new life in you. So we need to be on the lookout for spiritual pride in our own lives. We need to make sure we're not like these guys wanting to be seen, hoping for the best seats in the house, working only for others that gives us praise and walking around more pious and spiritual than everyone else. We just trust the Lord. I, can I tell you how much the Lord will bless you? Can I tell you? So I'm sitting yesterday having my quiet time in the morning. Natalie's out for a run, and I get a phone call, and she goes, "Hey, I met this. Um, I just happened to run into this estate sale, and there's a ladder here. Do you think we could use a ladder?" And I'm like, "Well, you can. Anybody can always use a ladder, right, Ben? We can always use a ladder." And this is, and I'm like, "Okay, I'll be right there." So I jump in the truck and I go over there, and it's a really, it's a, it's a ladder. And um, the ladder was $15, and then it was half off. Well, Natalie says, no, no, don't bring any money. I can Venmo her the thing. And that, Well, they got to talking, and it's really cool because the thing about it is that I didn't have to sit there and go, well, I'm a pastor, and I think you should give me a blessing. But because they knew us, because the guy used to go to the gym and everything else, they're like, you know what? Just take it. Just take it. Don't worry about the $7. It was $7. But you know what I heard? What a blessing. God takes care of me so much. Be careful. God takes care of you. Verse 8. But you, he says to them, notice all the people are around. He says, but you do not be called rabbi, for one is your teacher, the Christ. And you are all brethren. Now, Jesus is going to give direct orders to his disciples as well as us. Okay? He says, but you. Everybody's listening and he goes, but you. Listen up. He says, they want to be called rabbi, rabbi. Now, listen. There were times in scriptures that people called Jesus rabbi or rabboni. And that was okay. That was a term of, of, of just, but it wasn't the rabbi. And so he says, but you, don't be called rabbi. Don't walk around. Don't, you know what? What's your name? Well, I'm Rabbi Peter. No. He says, don't do that. He says, for one, notice it's capital in your Bibles. Guys, so who is he talking about? He's talking about Jesus. There's one who is your teacher, the Christ, and you are all brothers. You're all brethren. You know what that word brethren means there? Go ahead and circle that. It means we're family. Okay? And I think it was the Pointer sisters who got it right. We are family, okay? And she got it right. But biblically, this is what Jesus is saying. We're family. We're family. There's one who is our teacher. There's one who is our teacher. This is is so freeing to those of us behind the pulpit because it's the Holy Spirit. It's God who teaches you, not me. How do I know that? Because there'll be times I'll walk out and I'll go, Pastor, that was a great sermon and I can't believe you said this, this, and this. And I'm like, I did? Because it's the Holy Spirit that teaches you. Because in your mind, you're thinking of your life and how, how, and he's starting to knock on your heart and saying, hey, hey, don't do this, don't do that. And, And that's what God does. He does an incredible thing. Well why would Jesus say that? Well think about that. In contrast to the Pharisees, Jesus commands this so that we could avoid pride and prestige that accompany titles. Titles. We don't need titles, do we? We just need people. Listen in heaven. I'm probably not going to be Pastor Ben. I'm probably just going to be Ben. And it's not going to be the Reverend Billy Graham. It's probably going to be Billy. We don't need titles in heaven because it says that God is the teacher. You got that? But it goes on and he says, guys, listen, don't call anyone on earth your father. For one is your father who is in heaven. Now, Jesus is not talking... Jesus not talking about not calling your dad father. Okay, he's not saying, "Well, don't no, That's it. You can't call your dad father, or get him a Father's Day card. Okay, he's not talking about that. But what he's saying, now you got to grasp this, okay? Because it is wrong to use it when addressing a spiritual leader. And some of us have grown up in that in that religion where the priest was father, and it was father so-and-so. And 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 I'm not sure, I haven't done the research, I'm not sure how that goes, but I know what Jesus said. Jesus says, don't call anyone on earth father, in that spiritual sense. And I've had people that have come to me in this church, and they've actually called me father. It was weird. And I was like, "Mm, but I'm younger than you. You know, I mean, I'm not sure. But I understand I understand, and I'm not, I'm not trying to paint uh, you know, a, a bad situation with, with the other religion because it's a term of, of respect and, and honor. I get that. And that's the same thing he said, you know. But Jesus is saying, Jesus is saying, listen, there's only one Father. And he's saying right here, for one is your Father. And he's in heaven. That's who we call Father. Verse 10, and don't be called teachers. Okay, for one is your teacher, the Christ. Now again, if you have a pencil handy, that's actually intertwined with master teacher. And you can put instructor or spiritual guide. So what he's saying is don't call yourself this spiritual guide, this, this old holy, reverent, amazing. He says, don't do that. Perhaps a modern equivalent would be authority. God has placed spiritual leaders in the church, but they must not replace God in our lives. You go, how does that work? I've seen so many people who will line up for prayer, but because this person is more popular, this pastor is more popular, they'll go, oh, He's here! And then you'll have somebody come over here and go, hey, draw two lines, we're going to pray for people. And they'll say, no, 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 I want, I want Pastor so-and-so because he's more holy. That's You see the equivalent. It, God is the one who hears our prayer. And yet, that's how we are. Sometimes, in, even in the spiritual world, we're starstruck. We're like, oh! And, and I understand that. But a true spiritual leader directs his people to freedom and closer to Christ, not into bondage with ideas and beliefs. You see, that's why it's important as your pastor to not always try to give you the answer. What do you mean? Because you need to go to God. God has the answer. And I can give you my opinion. I can tell you what I think. I can say this is the area I've gone down. But oftentimes I'll be like, oh, well, what does God say? Because when God speaks and he's the teacher, he, that's the one that changes your life. Now, what's our job? Our job is to take you to the word of God and show you and show you. Why? Because a true spiritual leader directs his people to freedom and a closer fellowship with God. He should never want to put bondage on him. He doesn't want bondage on his beliefs, or his ideas, or this is what you have to do and not do. I think every one of us in this room have heard of or known of churches that actually do that hey you come to my church you're going to have to give this amount of money you're going to have to do this amount of service you're going to have to do and it's and its heavy burdens but that's not a true spiritual leader a true spiritual leader is to point you to christ and let god do the work in your heart because you love him i think that's going to bring everlasting change And that's what Jesus is saying. Well, what should we do? Well, we're going to close. Now don't close your Bible. The pastor says we're going to close. Everybody goes, don't do that. We still got got two verses. But I want to prepare our hearts for communion. But notice what he says in verse eleven. It's very interesting. But he who is the greatest among you shall be your servant. Listen, church, you want to be great in the kingdom of God? Be a servant. Be a servant. Just serve. Just serve. Don't look for the pat on the back. Don't look for somebody to be like, oh, wow, you're so amazing. You have great theological knowledge. Oh, wow, you know what the word propitiation means. This is crazy. Wow, holy one. Don't. Just serve. Just serve. How do we serve? We, we love on people. We pray with people. We do the practical you go, what's the practical? Well, here's the thing, guys. We have some leaks in the roof, and I called the landlord, and so now they're putting us a new roof. And you go, cool, that's awesome. We won't have the leaks. We, won't, we, The problem was is that we cleaned the church, and they were up on the roof, and we came in this morning, and there was all this stuff on the floor from the walking on the roof. None of you knew that, it, that somebody served clean it up. Now some of the places are still there so you're kind of going, yeah, nobody got those here. Well, if you notice that, that's your job. You've got to clean that because you're a servant now. But, but think about this. If you want to be great, this is what Jesus says. But if you want to be the greatest, be a servant. That's not the world. The world says, if you want to be great, step on each other's toes and climb that ladder and get whatever you've got to got, because nobody's going to give it to you. I like Jesus' way. Just be a servant. And whoever exalts himself will be humbled. Check that out. But he who humbles himself will be exalted. Guys, think about this. True greatness is found in serving others, not forcing others to serve. But whoever exalts himself. Wow, can you imagine the vibe? the Pharisees are there and he's going if you're going to exalt yourself he says you're going to be humbled but if you humble yourself what 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 happens if I humble myself? you're going to be exalted listen church listen to me it takes a lot for you and I to humble ourselves because we have this gift of pride that sometimes will go away but Ah, But it's far better that we humble ourselves and let the Lord. You know that song, right? Humble thyself in the sight of the Lord. Humble thyself and he will lift you up. The craziest thing about being lifted up is you realize that God is doing a work and you humble yourself even more. As we prepare our hearts guys for communion, I'm going to go ahead and ask the ushers to come forward and pray. Here's what I would ask guys that we would um, that would pray, would you just hold on to them? Just hold on to them and we're going to partake as a family. But I want to talk to you as the ushers are coming and praying around the elements. You understand that on a message like this, that we have to do some work. We have to do some work. You go, what work is that? It's the work, guys, of just searching our own hearts. Lord, where am I? Am I hypocrisy? Am I a hypocrite? Am I, where, where am I failing? Because I want to be right with you. And now that's where we get right with the lord as the ushers pass out the elements just hold on to them but maybe you're praying within yourself and saying lord show me show me my heart i don't want to say one thing and do another i just want to do what you tell me to do as we hold the elements in our hands church let me be remind you let me remind you a little bit about communion number 1 at calvary chapel we have open communion you go what does that mean you don't have to be a member at Calvary to take communion. If you're visiting, and, and all you have to do is be a born-again Christian. If you're here today and you're not saved, if you're not born again, in a moment I'm going to give you an opportunity. I always want to give you an opportunity, and uh, you go, well, if I get saved today, Pastor, can I take communion? Absolutely. But let me tell you something else. The Bible also says, please don't take communion in an unworthy manner. And you go, what does that mean? Maybe you're here and you just got some bitterness or you've got some anger or you got some resentment going on and, and you and God have to do some work. Well, it would be best that you would just pass on it today. It's okay. If you're here today and you go, "Ben, I, I I'm not saved and I don't plan on being saved. A friend bought me, I don't know. Then you can just pass. You can say, No one's going to judge you. The second thing we need to be remembered is it's a celebration. You go, what do you mean? When we take communion, we're declaring the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And that's what saves us. So we celebrate the gospel. It's celebration. So they're going to pass them out here. We're going to pray. Keep your eyes open if, it, if it's coming towards you, because then you might be like, hey, 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 hey. But let me do this. Let me pray. Let's me just let just pray real quick and um, just give any of you an opportunity to say yes to God. Heavenly Father, we come before you in Jesus' name, and we bow our heads before you, and we thank you for who you are. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for your word, and we thank you for the truth in your word. We thank you, Lord, that you're very clear, and even next week's going to be even more clear. But Lord, before we take communion and celebrate you and celebrate your death, burial, and resurrection, there might be somebody here who's not saved. And they have an RSVP to heaven, and and so today you're going to speak to them. And you've already been speaking to them through the message. With every eye closed and every head bowed, maybe you're here today and you're saying, Pastor, hey, listen, Pastor, some of the things you were saying, man it made me realize I don't have a relationship with you. But I want one. And I want to be saved today. I want to give my life to Jesus. I want my sins forgiven. And I just know that you're coming back and I, I'm, I'm, ready to come, I'm ready to come clean before God. Hey, listen, if you're here today and you've never given your life to the Lord or you've backslidden from God and you're ready to come home, would you do me a favor? Before you take communion, would you just lift up your hand and say, Pastor, would you pray for me? God bless you. Would you just pray for me? I want to be right with God. I want to give my life. I see you over there. Yes. God bless you, sister, over here. God bless you over here. Anyone else? Anyone else? I'm going to lead you in a prayer. But this is between you and the Lord. Is there anyone else that would say, Pastor, pray for me. I want to be saved. I want to be in God's kingdom. I want to give my life to God today. Thank you for the hands that were raised. Those of you that raise your hands, would you pray this prayer with me? Would you pray it with all of your heart? Would you say, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I'm so sorry, Lord. I've tried to do things my way. And I've fallen so short. And Lord, I'm filled with guilt and shame. And I don't know how to get rid of it, Lord, except to believe in you. So God, would you please forgive me? I'm asking you to come into my heart, Lord. I believe with all of my heart that you died on the cross and that you were buried and that you resurrected on the third day and that you're coming back for me soon. But Lord, I'm still here on earth, and so I need your help. Would you come into my heart and guide me and lead me? And would you be my God? Would you be my Savior? And would you be my friend? I choose this day to follow you, Jesus, for forever I'm yours. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, welcome to the family of God. Yes, 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 you are saved. By faith, you're saved. God is going to come into your heart, forgive you of your sins. You have to mean it with all of your heart. See, he's already calling you. So as we have the communion elements in our house, I welcome you. If if you gave your life to the Lord, please see me after church. It's so amazing. But if you have the elements in your hand, here's what I want you to do. Let's take a deep look within our hearts and let's confess our sins before him. Maybe you're here today and you are saved, but you realize, oh, man, sometimes I've been a hypocrite. I've been a hypocrite at work. I've been a hypocrite at home. I've been, and uh, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, please forgive me. Uh, I don't want to be a hypocrite, I want to follow you. I want to to just honor you. And let's look back and thank the Lord for all he's done in our lives. Think back at the times that he's just blessed us and we say, thank you, Lord. And then what I want you to do, guys, is I want you to look forward for all that's going to do one day because Jesus said that he's not going to do this until we do it with him in heaven. And right now we're not in heaven. But we're going to be there one day. And it's going to be glorious, and it's going to be amazing. And we'll get to do this, but right now it's here, so we're going to celebrate him. So Lord, we thank you for all that you're going to do in our lives. We thank you for the people that we're going to reach in our lives. We thank you for all all the mission field that we have in Lubbock, Texas, and around the world. We thank you. And so Lord, we're going to honor you today. So as a family, as brethren, will you take the bread and let's partake together. When supper was ended, he took, he took the glass and he said, this is my blood for the remission of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. Will you take the cup together?